Welcome to Shutting Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 94. Who is that friend that you call to get some hunting advice on how you're going to set up? Who's who's that person? Who's the friend that you call when, right after the shot and you want them to know that you shot a deer or shot some animal that you're chasing? Who is the person that you call uh, to come help you drag or track a deer? You know, some of us like to solo hunt, but a lot of us, including myself, it's good to have those kind of friends that we kind of rely on and run ideas by. And I've I've been blessed to kind of grow that list over the years. Um, it was just kind of my brother and um, Travis Shire, Jim Keeling, some other friends that are in Shedding Light Outdoors and those folks. But over the last couple of years, I've been able to add a couple more. And I'm going to tell you about a couple of those right now. So Ben Cunningham has been a great friend uh, since we started coyote hunting there last year. And he's invited me to go hunting with him on some of his great spots this year. He filmed his son shooting a, a, a great buck and that video is going viral for us on YouTube has over 27,000 views in just a short amount of time so we're excited about that um, but Ben I've uh, been able to hunt with him but we just haven't had, been able to make it make it connect you know as far as anything coming out while I've, whenever I've been with him but um, he was able to help me track a deer uh, the last couple of days so quick story I'm not going to go too long on this one but I did shoot a buck two days ago um, buck came in super close. I rattled him in at 11:30 on election day, and this buck came in, and I felt really good about the shot initially. I, I really thought it was a dead deer from the initial look. Uh, started tracking, and the blood was not what I thought it would be. Um, got to a spot where the blood pretty much just evaporated after 100 yards, and went back and watched the video, and I realized that I hit this buck a little bit back, um, not too far away from a heart shot, but uh, did not catch the heart, and a little low. Um, and I still am trying to scratch my head on what happened in that moment. I think there was a lot happening. I think the camera was self-filming, got in the way. Uh, I tried to stop, I had to stop the deer twice. I, I He didn't stop initially, so I stopped him, and pretty soon after that I took my shot, so it may have been a little rushed. Um, and unfortunately, uh, we did, after eight hours of searching hard and looking every, <laughs> turning over every rock, uh, we, we didn't find the buck. And I think the buck is going to live from all the intel that I have. Um, so very frustrated by that. But I was grateful to have been there. He kind of coached me on what I did wrong, what I did right. Uh, I learned so much about tracking in that time yesterday with him. And um, so, yeah, it's a frustrating thing. It's not how I thought this year was going to go. Um, but it's still early. I still have time and I'm still going to go back after. I've just been taking a couple of days just to chill out, figure out in my mind what, what I did wrong. And, and I'm going to try and correct that. And that's all I can do. Um, you know, and it's, it is what it is. And so I'm just going to move on. Um, but another friend that I've had is a guy that's on our podcast today. His name is John Farley. John and I, uh, actually became friends initially because of a shared property. I got permission to permission to hunt a property that he was already on and so sent him an email and we talk about that in the podcast but over the years uh, just emailing and texting and then this year kind of sharing trail cam pictures John has been a great friend uh, just he's, he's been able to help me a lot and he's been giving me information about this property um, that he, he didn't have to do that and he's been willing to do that and so I thought this guy I need to get to know a little bit better and in doing so I thought you know it'd be good to have him on the podcast 
and I'm so glad that I did. John has some amazing stories, not just his buck story from this year on that property, but also some antelope stories and an amazing bear story, a super close encounter with a bear. Um, uh, just I'll let him tell that story because it is fantastic. So um, it's important to have friends, and I'd encourage you guys, um, make friends if you can. Get on forums, find guys in your area if you're kind of a solo hunter, because I tell you, having these friends has helped me learn more about hunting, and it's also helped me in those moments of getting through some challenging times. So we're going to dive in. Here is John Farley. All right, guys. I, I got my friend John Farley on the line. John, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Oh, it's it's rainy, uh, but I tell you what, the weather's starting to shift a little bit, and here in the next week, I'm I'm hoping to go out and fill my Ohio buck tag. Hey, nothing wrong with that. November's on my mind as well. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're you're tagged out in Ohio, so I mean, are you planning on you got more more deer you can kill in West Virginia there, or what's your plan? Yeah, um, I've I've got a few deer in West Virginia with my own and you know there's always those surprises too and uh another big goal of mine is to get my son his first buck this year so that's another priority as well uh that'd be cool that'd be cool well john uh, tell us a little bit about yourself just kind of give guys an introduction and i'll share a little bit about how you and i got connected uh, but give us a little bit of your background all right sounds good well i am a, a elementary school principal in parkersburg west virginia i am a uh, southern west virginia transplant I moved up here when my wife told me we were moving up here and uh, <laughs> fell in love with a lot of really good deer hunting up here. So um, I, I, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, you just got the one boy or you got other kids? Actually, I have three children. I have a daughter that's eight by the name of Jillian. She actually just shot her first okay. deer a week or so ago. Uh, my son Bronson, that's five. And then I have a, very very feisty two-year-old by the name of reagan and she might be the death of me <laughs> <laughs> oh man i know that we we took our kids out tonight we wanted to get out and just breathe some air so we went to a restaurant and it's it's like turning animals loose like our kids have forgotten with this covid thing like like they don't behave like they used to behave in public. It's, I told my wife, I was like, there was nothing relaxing about that. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. I've been there too, buddy. Well, I'll tell guys a little bit of kind of how you and I met through a, a mutual friend and we can hunt his property. And uh, his name's Marty. And Marty uh, let me hunt, but you had been on the property first. So I think the first communication that you and I actually had was through email. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. So I just wanted to reach out to you because you were already there. And so I sent you a message and we kind of agreed. It was kind of like this agreement that you would stay on one side and then I'd hunt this little pocket on another side. And I was completely cool with that. And I was just excited to have another spot. And that's kind of how it rolled for a few years. And then this year, um, we started talking more, exchanging some pictures and talking about saddle hunting. I don't Have I convinced you to be a saddle hunter yet? I don't know. Oh man, I uh, I don't know about that yet. I <laughs> I have a hard enough time getting in a tree without being afraid of being too high. I just don't know about the saddles. I don't, I just don't know. Oh um, man, I'm gonna try. I have to keep I have to keep working on you. I keep <laughs> keep working on you. But anyhow, this year uh, we'll dive into the story. But you were able to get uh, fill your buck tag. Sent me some pictures. 
and they were gracious enough to kind of give me some intel on some other other bucks over there and so that's been a lot of fun and but I, john i i don't know a lot about you and and so I, this is a podcast where i'm kind of getting to know you a little bit better how did you get into hunting initially oh my um i i just remember growing up and seeing my dad he was ate up with it and my grandfather both um they had me in the woods an early age i was squirrel hunting and i was in love with trying to get fox squirrels that was like my ultimate goal was to try to get a fox squirrel and uh back home in southern west virginia at point in times they looked like cats and trees they were so big and uh there were so many fox squirrels at the time and now it's hard to find a fox squirrel back home but they were they were just beautiful and that was always my always my goal and we used to go squirrel hunting after school and then I saw my dad kill a absolute monster of a deer in Raleigh County in Southern West Virginia. And then after that, it was just like, yeah, this is something I want to do. And it hit me from there. And I was lucky an early age. A lot of people go out and they just don't have any luck. And I, I'll be honest, I started killing good public land blocks back home from the very beginning. And I was just lucky. So hooked from the start. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you got any like early memory stories, any of those first hunts that just kind of stand out to you, maybe something a little crazy or anything that kind of comes to mind? Well, yeah. Hey, I'll tell you what, I was 14 years old. When, that was the very first time I was allowed to hunt by myself with a rifle. So that was a big deal. Um, I had to prove myself. I had to show my, my father, my brother, and my grandfather that you know, that I was going to be safe, that I was going to do it the right way, that I knew what I was doing. <laughs> so I'm kind of getting shaky thinking about it. So here I am, I'm 14 years old. And, you know, I decide I'm going to go to this spot. We pick out this spot and we call it the rock. The rock was a really big, tall boulder sitting on a couple other boulders. That was like an elevated tree stand. Uh, probably... I'm going to guess 30 feet up in the air. And it was really nice because when we went in the woods, I could follow my older brother, who's Benji. He was 18. I could follow him all the way to his spot. Then I could just go left out the ridge about five, 600 yards. And then I would end up at the rock. So it was perfect. So we're like, all right, we're going to do this. <laughs> Here I am, you know, before dark. And I don't remember, I, I'm not a big fan of scary movies. And the, I just, I cannot do a scary movie. It messes with me. I don't remember if I watched the Blair Witch Project or if I saw previews of the Blair Witch Project. My goodness, I, I am in the middle of a laurel thicket and I had to stay down the hill. That's what my brother kept telling me. He's like, no, you need to stay on this ridge, stay down the hill. He said, if you hit the laurel, You've went too high up the hill. And sure enough, what happens? I get in the middle of this laurel thicket. And sure enough, I feel like I'm in the middle of the Blair Witch Project. I freak <laughs> out. I'm hyperventilating. I'm sitting there. I'm just like, oh, my goodness. And at that time, cell phones weren't really a thing to where you could carry it in your pocket. It was, um, <laughs> they, yeah. they, they, they just didn't exist then. So here I am, I'm on my walkie-talkie, I'm yelling, Benji, Benji. And finally, he's like, Jonathan, 
it's the opening day of rifle season. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm scared to death. I have no idea where I'm at. And he's like, you better sit down and be quiet. You got deer running everywhere. I emptied that laurel thicket. I mean, deer were going everywhere. And so meanwhile, <laughs> I sat there. He's like, sit down, calm down, turn your flash and wait until daylight. So finally, you know, he convinces me. And I can't tell you how many times I cried. I was sitting there. I was upset. <laughs> 14 years old. I'm like, I'm not a man. I'm a wimp. I'm sitting there <laughs> and I'm just freaking out because I just feel like the Blair Witch Project's coming to get me. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there and it's just funny. Every time that I go in the woods in the morning for an early morning hunt, I think of that every single time because <laughs> it's just it's so funny now to think about. That's and, awesome. And so, you know, I sat there till daylight and I walked down the hill and I walked out the hill to my spot and I, I got to my spot about uh, just a few minutes after daylight and sure enough i didn't see any deer but about 9 30 10 o'clock here come a little spike around the side of the hill and i let him have it <laughs> and and in southern west virginia or in west virginia period at that time you know it was buck season only and it had to be three inches three inch antlers or more and guess what he was three inches right on the dot. <laughs> and it was just so funny because I was like, man, I ruined it. And uh, so it was just crazy. So the next day, you know, I had two tags in West Virginia. And the next day I go in there and I shot the biggest buck of my life at the time. I shot an eight point. And in Southern West Virginia at that time, we just had so many deer overrunning us that you didn't see very many quality bucks there was just a lot of small scrap bucks. Nothing really ever got to much size in this area because there were so many deer on this public land. I mean, this eight point, I mean, he might've been a hundred inch eight point, but um, you know, 14 years old, my second deer ever by myself. I thought it was pretty big stuff. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I think of that too. I used to be so afraid going in, in the dark, you know, you just, I was like, man, I want to have a flashlight on. And sometimes I still, I'm like, you know, if I don't know this area, it's just, I don't know. You, you grow up a little bit, but still, there's still that, like, you don't, I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of what's in the dark, you know? <laughs> exactly. There's nothing out there that it's not going to be there during the daytime. That's, That's what I tell true. myself. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so. Well, you being in West Virginia, have you, um, have you had opportunities? I know some guys down there, they bear hunt or maybe they, they hunt other things, you know, that we don't get the chance to in Ohio here. Have you had an opportunity to do those kind of hunts, John? Well, that's funny you ask because you're talking about stuff that's in there, uh, out there during the dark. Um, yeah, I was able to take my first black bear, um, two years ago and, oh man, what a situation there. I, I, I just happened to, I mean, that rock that I was talking about, I hunted that same spot every opening morning for probably 10, 15 years, every opening rifle season, that was my spot. And it was really hard to get to. I mean, it was probably a solid hour walk before daylight. And that's really taking your time and trying not to push everything out. So that spot has went downhill greatly over the past 10, 15 years because doe management, all that stuff, you're lucky if you can see a deer now in mm -hmm. Southern West Virginia in this area. If you see a buck, it's gonna be a good one. It's funny how things have changed because there's just not as many deer. If you see seven deer in a week, it's amazing. 
versus you used to be able to see seven deer in a group. It's just crazy how it's just changed so much. But so anyways, I stopped going down to that rock because it was such a long walk. So I decided to go out this to this new area. And this new area, <laughs> it, I'm telling you, it's a solid mile and a half, two mile walk before daylight. Oh man. And there's just, there's a lot of hunting pressure in these areas. And in order to get to some of the better spots, the less pressured areas, you've got to walk. And I mean, talk about being afraid of the dark. I always carry two flashlights because I want somebody to think there's two people <laughs> that way, you know, especially when I'm on public land, that way they say, think it's two people and they're less likely to mess with two people. But anyways, that's my personal thing. But so I had, had these spots on my GPS that I had marked about four or five years ago. For some reason, I was back in this area and I thought one of these days, this would be, make a really nice spot to go to. So that rifle season, two years ago, I decided, you know what? I'm not going over that hill. It's awful to go down there. It's such a long walk. I want to try this because it's a pretty flat, straight shot out the top of this mountaintop. So I start walking. And I'm like, you know what? I start looking at my GPS. I just need to make it somewhere where so I can sit down without getting all sweaty. There's a little bit of snow on the ground. I'm like, I just need to get somewhere where I can see and that I can cool off and not sweat myself out. So sure enough, look at the GPS and there's this one spot I had marked. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to this spot. So sure enough, I get there. I'm like, okay, this is perfect. And like I was saying, it's such a long walk in these places. You know, we're getting up at four o'clock in the morning, getting dressed, getting your stuff together and then walking. So I'm, I'm tired by the time I get to this spot. And I'm almost ready to sweat myself out. So I sat down, I put all my clothes on, spray down, and I did the worst thing you could ever do in the woods. And I fell asleep. <laughs> I woke up, the wind hit me on my left cheek, going from my left to right. I'm sitting on top of this ridge. It's like a little cliff area. And I'm over looking this little bench that goes down into another bench and so I'm sitting there and the wind hits me in the face and I just kind of turn my head to the right and I look and it's it's getting good daylight to where you can see just a little bit but it's still a little blurry and I, I look to my right next thing I know I look to my left and I don't know if you've ever seen Lion King uh, <laughs> All right, there's the big lion, Mufasa, I think is yeah. his name. He was standing on the point, looking down over the hill on the same cliff I'm sitting on. And he was sitting there looking down the hill, and guess what he does? That thing turned right towards me. Oh I'm sitting gosh. there. I'm like, this is it. This is the end. This, this mountain, is mountain, mountain lion, I'm assuming, right? <laughs> no, it was a black bear. <laughs> but, oh, black bear. Okay, gotcha. A really, really big black bear. I, <laughs> I, I see this thing, and when you see a black bear, you don't realize how big they can be. And I'm looking at this thing, and I start thinking, okay, I'm 260 pounds. This thing has at least 200 on me. I mean, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I've ran into Mike Tyson and he's mad. <laughs> and so, me, you know, so it's just dark enough that he can't really make me out 
and I'm sitting still and I know it's a black bear. <laughs> I just happened to be leaned up against this log on the side of this cliff. And I kind of had some, so a little log guarding me on my left side and he has to walk through me to get where he's going. So mm. I never load my gun before daylight, but I don't know what happened that day, but for some reason I must've loaded it before I went to sleep. I don't remember, <laughs> but I was so shook up. I had my gun laying on my lap, just kind of looped through and just lean back and I pick it up and I check to make sure I've got a shell in lucky enough. I don't, I did. I throw up my gun real easy and I can't find him in the scope. All I see is black. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Cause he's so close. He's with, he's 10 yards away from me. Oh, wow. He's 10 yards away from me. A 450 pound black bear is what we guessed it at because we had to carry it out in pieces and parts. And I shoot him and he roars. I mean, it wakes me up in the middle of the night still to think about it. <sighs> he, he roared, threw up that front leg and jumped off the cliff 20 no feet way. down. He did not come towards me because if he had, I was gone. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. Jam I jammed my rifle. I jammed my 30 out six. I worked the bolt action. I shortchanged it. I don't know what happened. I burnt the tar out of my finger trying to get the, the case out that I just shot. And finally, I got the next load in. And, you know, honestly, I don't ever let anything sit there and suffer. You know, I put the rest of the rounds in him. I had my gun because I was so oh shook up. And <laughs> they, they talk about needing toilet paper in the woods. Buddy, I needed a whole case of Charmin that morning. <laughs> I, I was pretty tore up. Uh, so, oh my yeah, goodness. so here I am. I'm sitting there. I'm looking down at this bear. And I'm just like. I, I can't believe that's just happened because I've tried for so long to kill a bear. So, so long. And finally I did. So who do you think the first person is I call? Mm. <laughs> My brother, Benji. <laughs> yeah. And so I call Benji and he's like, what are you doing? It's the opening day of rifle season. You're blowing up my phone. It's daylight. And I've already seen two deer. I'm like, Benji, I just shot a monster bear. He's like, all right, calm down. So he tells me to calm down because he knows exactly what I do. I can turn a 110-inch whitetail into a 200-inch buck real easy. <laughs> he knows exactly what's happened. Now, my, my brother is a really proper guy, and he does everything right. He's very by the book, just a very, very solid Christian. And he said, okay, wait till it gets a little bit daylight. Send me a good picture of it. Set still. You never know what's going to come in after that. So <laughs> I sent him a picture and I, he starts typing back. Holy bad word. <laughs> um, he goes, that bear is a monster. And so that time <laughs> I'm really shook up. I'm like, is it dead? I want to make sure it's dead because it's going to eat. But sure enough, I sit there a little bit longer. I'd never experienced this before, but this is something I've always heard myths about back home. A coyote came to where i shot 30 minutes after i shot it was searching wow. like i've always heard rumors that they'll come to gunshots during rifle season back home because they know that there's going to be a gut pile or that an animal could be wounded i've always heard that i've never seen it with my own eyes 
And sure enough, I missed the coyote twice. But, <laughs> you know, I just never experienced it. It was running right to where I shot. It was just the craziest experience ever. So, but yeah, that was the black bear. 450 pounds is what we guessed it at. We've waited oh, in man. pieces and parts. And I'm still... <laughs> I'm still waiting on my rug. It should be here, and uh, I'm not excited about that bill. Yeah, man, that's incredible. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, so he this bear like jumps off of the cliff at 20 yards. Did, did that? Was it like straight down, or did he just kind of roll, or what happened after after the shot? That bear jumped off that cliff. I mean, he's 10 yards from me. He jumps off that cliff 20 feet straight down, and oh, just he's kicking like he's trying to get up. And oh man! So, I'm so shook up. I emptied the gun on him. Wow! And that's uh, I, I don't know if I hit him any of the shots. <laughs> and I mean, I've never experienced something like that. Whenever we went to to cape that thing out, quartered out, that thing had. I, and this is no joke. I wish I would have taken a picture of it. It had six inches of fat on its wow. hindquarters. Six inches of fat, and. I don't know if you've ever played with Crisco much, but my, <laughs> me and my hands beat the water for the next two weeks. I could not. I mean, it's just, yeah. So crazy. Wow. That's cool, man. That's something I've never experienced, but the more and more I talk to guys about it, just there is something appealing about hunting something that could hunt you. I mean, it's going to add some <laughs> adrenaline to, it's going to add a little bit of adrenaline to what's going on. I never have to worry about a white tail, you know, eating me. So yeah, that's great, man. You know, I, yeah. I do think, I mean, for me, being in Ohio, I'm pretty spoiled because I don't have to worry about predators or anything like that. But I did go out west and being out west, just knowing that there could be bear, there could be mountain lion. Uh, you know, those are things that always, always put you on edge a little bit. So now, John, Definitely let me ask you this. Sure. And now have you, um, have you had a chance to do any other, uh, I want to get to the story of the buck that you have this year. Um, but have you had any other, I mean, you hunt bear, anything else kind of come up for you that you've had a chance to go after? Well, yeah. Um, when I graduated from college, my, my parents surprised me with a trip to Montana and we went out there chasing, we went out there chasing antelope and that was a crazy experience as well. Um, Hmm. (laughs) me and my, uh, just my, my creativity, I guess. I don't know, but I, I was able to take a, a decent antelope very average size antelope i shot it on a water hole it was probably 100 degrees in uh early august and i'm telling you if you haven't done that that's quite the experience and i mean i did all i could to make it really interesting um uh sure enough my darton maverick that i was shooting at that time with fingers and beaming ics 400 arrows uh <laughs> yeah it shot about 114 feet per second that yeah. antelope jumped my string so bad I put an awful shot on it. And you know, as any sportsman should do, or anybody that is in this at all, you've got to do everything you can to get that animal. And uh we'll just put it this way. I put up quite a few more shots at that antelope before I got him to go down. And it's a story that I've told several times and I've had many people look at me and say, You're an absolute liar. But um <laughs> My dad was right there with me the whole way. Uh, we both tagged out on the next to last day together in the same blind. Mm. The, the two bucks we shot, he said, Jonathan, you shoot the first one and pick out the better one. 
And of course, what did I do? I did not shoot the one with the nice ivory tips that was almost Pope and Young. I chose <laughs> to shoot the smaller of the two because I was so worked up and excited. And yeah. while mine's walking up the hill off because I absolutely put an awful shot on it, ivory tips comes right back into 20 yards and my dad proceeds to smoke him and we basically <laughs> took care of his moved it out of the area and everything and mine's still walking away up the hill so interesting story several more shots later after chasing this guy because it was almost off this property owner's lease i finally retrieved it and uh yeah what a quite quite a story that might be one for another day that might be your whole 45 mm-hmm. minutes right there yeah Man, that's that's awesome. You know, that, that's a little. I saw a lot of antelope uh, coming into Colorado Springs, but it's one of those things. There's a lot of guys I know that really love it, uh, going after them. But I've just never, and, and that, just don't know much about it. I know it's a lot of spot and stock or sitting watering holes, so it's just kind of a a different style of hunting. And it always just seems like I'm like, man, how do you ever sneak in on those critters? Because you're always right out in the open. It seems like big open, you know, meadows and prairies and things. like like that so i'm always impressed with with anybody that's able to get one it's a lot of fun and you can spot and stalk them all day long you just have to find some sagebrush and uh find some alfalfa fields or even i mean i had a good shot at a a doe uh, later or earlier in the week excuse me and i was sneaking from hay bale to hay bale Mm. these big round bales i would just stand behind them and the doe was working out in front of me and i would just keep the hay bales in my line and her line and i was able to get almost 40 yards but she spot me drawing back they're they're incredibly i mean you're talking about having binoculars on your for eyeballs i mean they see yeah they're they're incredible well they call them speed goats you know they're (laughs) they're pretty when they when they decide to go they go hey they're fast i watched plenty of them run away that's for sure Well, you know, it's uh, this is being released right during the middle of the rut. So we, we better get to some deer stories here. And I know that you've had some success this year. I think uh, even, you know, last year you've been hunting Ohio for a little while. So tell us, John, just some of your, your stories here from the last couple of years. If you want to do this year or last year, whatever story kind of stands out to you. And I mean, we've got time to hear both. So whatever works for you. All right. Sounds great. Well, I'll start with this year. Um, I was lucky enough to harvest a, a solid nine point. Uh, on my second sit this year Mm. and uh, I thought that was pretty incredible because I named this buck his name is Tim Collins and Tim (laughs) Collins is the name of this buck and it's one of the first deer I've ever gotten a picture of and I said you know what if I see that buck I'm gonna shoot it because it seems like I've always not got uh, you know a buck surprises you during the rut Mm -hmm. but I've never taken pictures of one all summer long on my cameras and saw that deer and then was able to harvest it if that makes sense yeah so tim collins we'll call him tim collins for now this this buck i had probably three four five hundred pictures of this deer this summer going into right whenever i i killed him i actually had pictures of him that morning on my cellular cameras i i was getting pictures of him daylight hours i said okay i gotta make a move so the first day that I got in there to hunt him, I saw him. I saw him with two other shooter bucks, and they were in this certain location. And so my goal this year, hunting-wise, was I'm going to be aggressive. I'm not going to sit back and wait for them to come to me. My goal was I'm going to go to them because I'm sitting on soybean fields, and 
you know, they're just working out in these soybean fields. You got to find where they're coming out. And so sure enough, earlier in the season, I, I mean, early in the summer, I tried to put a cell cam in that corner where I killed him, but I didn't get service. So if I would have had service, yeah, yeah it's I, might rough out there. Was there. I might've known he was there earlier coming out of that spot. So I set the first set and I'm sitting there and these three shooters all work within, they're within 80 yards of me. Uh, but there's a tree line, there's does in the field. I can't do anything. So I get down well after dark, I sneak out, making sure not to bump anything. And I said, the next time I'm here, I'm going to that corner. So sure enough, I get in that corner. I get really good weather. Uh, there was a front coming in and it was just a little bit cooler. It wasn't too hot, but sure enough, I get in the stand. There's a 10% chance of rain. And you would have thought that I was in the middle of the Amazon. It poured. It absolutely poured. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. I'm going to freeze out. And it's 60 degrees. And because it was just raining so hard. And I'm sitting there thinking, I just closed my eyes. I was like, if I can make it through this and it gets to prime time and this rain stops, there are going to be deer everywhere. So sure enough, that's what I decided to do. Last 45 minutes, the rain stops. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This is perfect. So I'm in this corner. I had a perfect Southwest wind blowing right in my face, blowing straight from my right to my left, basically. And the deer just start funneling out and they start coming out in this corner, just like I predicted. I'd never had a hunt scripted like this before. It was amazing. So I think I'm 12, 13 deer in. I mean, they're just coming out of this corner, coming out of this corner a couple of times. They'll go out and feed for 15 minutes and more deer come. And finally, I see horns coming through the woods. I'm like, here we go. And so immediately, I'm thinking it's a bigger 10 that I have pictures of because I'm seeing the left side of this buck that has five points on it. And there's a 10 on the same farm that I'm, I'm hoping you get a chance at that is, it looks really similar has a lot of mass and I was thinking it might be it, but I had already made up my mind. I was going to shoot this deer too. And I mean, either one would be trophies for me. So he walks out and I being myself, I'm all excited. Like I always do. I always like to make it complicated as possible. I stopped the deer and I don't even think I stopped the, you know, how you give that fake grunt sound oh, <laughs> to yeah. stop them. I don't even think I'd stop with that. And I, the, the bolts flying out of my yep. crossbow. I mean, so it's still walking. It hadn't stopped. And mm -hmm. I, I put a really bad shot on it, but luckily next morning with all three of my children on my back, my wife had to work the next morning at the hospital. Here I am going into the woods with an eight year old, a five year old and a two year old on my back. <laughs> Once again, through the Amazon jungle. And that's a hike back there. Oh, my goodness. It was crazy. And yeah. I found him probably about five, 600 yards from my stand. And uh, so, obviously, awful shot. You know, we took what we could take and, you know, checked everything in, made it all legal. And, um, yeah, so it, it was a very nice buck. But uh, so that was 
you know, I'm, I was excited about that. So this year I can focus on getting my son his first yeah. buck now in West Virginia. So, cause he's going to want to shoot anything that walks by that has a few horns. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's cool. You're wanting to hear about that deer from last year. Now this one, I'm telling you, I just, I can't make this stuff up. Um, so I have an uncle Denver that owns a big farm in Adams County, Ohio, down towards Cincinnati. And for mm -hmm. about, let's see, about six or seven years, if I don't get anything early on Marty's farm, I always spend Veterans Day week down there because he has some giants as well. And so last year I was lucky enough to make it down there. It's the first year I made it down for a couple of years, but I made it down. And my brother is telling me, hey, Jonathan, you need to go to this new spot. You need to go to this spot. I know I'm going to send you over the hill. You need to go down this hill, find a tree to get in and get up there and just hang on because this hillside is being worked like crazy. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. So I bought a brand new tree stand the winter before. I wanted something that was extremely light that I could just carry for a long ways away. And so I take this summit, I think it was a summit open shot is the name, is the name of the stand. And it's really light, but I'm telling you, if you've ever tried to climb in a climbing tree stand that doesn't have anything to hold on to for the seat, you're, you're in for a treat. Here I am, big boy <laughs> trying to get up a tree and I, I'm basically doing dips, trying to get this tree stand up. I'm like, Oh my goodness, I want to die. But I was lucky enough to find a tree. I got up about I don't know, 17, 18 feet is about as high as I could. And so I'm sitting there and I get busted three times that morning. I'm like, okay, we got to do something because I'm not high enough. There's deer coming everywhere. They're chasing does. I got to get down. I got to move. I got to get in a tree that I can get up in. <laughs> so yeah, I get down on the tree. I just finished taking the tree stand off the tree and I need to do my business. I, I need to, to pee. <laughs> yep. So I, I'm literally taking a whiz and I look up and guess what's walking around the hillside about 30 yards away from me. Yeah, man, I'm guessing a buck. Uh, yeah. And I see about an eight, I don't know, eight, 10 inch G2. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, what have I just done? And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. My crossbow is about five, 10 feet on the ground in front of me. I'm like, this is even better. This is just not a good situation. And <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I, I just, the buck saw something and he was cruising looking for does. And uh, I don't know if he saw my head, but I don't have much hair. So he couldn't have seen brown hair. I, I don't <laughs> know what he saw. He saw something he liked. I don't know. So this buck, he doesn't run off, but I, by this time I've got my crossbow in my hand cause I'm crawling forward, but there's just enough brush between us that he, he just can't quite make out what I am. And I'm telling you deer, they're curious animals. And he, he thought maybe I was a doe. I don't know, but he started working around me to my wind and he worked perfectly about 35 yards away through an opening in this brush. And I'm on the ground my pants are still halfway down and I shoot this buck <laughs> off the ground, 35 yards, perfect shot. He goes 30 yards and dies. I'm like, 
I can't believe that just happened. I mean, <laughs> that's awesome, man. <laughs> I, I mean, I, so I called it, I called that story getting caught with my pants down. Yeah. Yeah. I, yep. I literally did. <laughs> so, oh, that's sweet. That's a good story, man. I, it was funny to me is like, you, I can so relate. I can tell you how many times whenever I used to have a climber getting up in the tree and getting it set, right. Getting the platform, right. Like I, I, I hunted out of a climber for, I don't know, four five, six, seven years. And I just never could get it right. You know, so I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. You climb down and there he is. <laughs> yeah. It, it was just, it was crazy. And I mean, during those rut times, you know, 10, 15, I mean, that's when I shot in 10, 15, 10, 30. I was just like, you know, I knew it was a good time. And I'm like, I need to move before lunchtime. That way I can get somewhere because they're always cruising. I mean, always. You just never know when you're going to see that big one during that time. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I saw him literally with my pants down. So <laughs> yeah. that's cool. Well, back back to your buck this year. It was, uh, that's part of the way you and I got to talk a little bit more was I was at church and uh marty our mutual acquaintance he uh and friend he he says uh, he's like well john shot one last night i'm like what i didn't know and so i sent you a message and then you send me a picture of the grip and grin and you had that buck and i mean that was just awesome i didn't know i did not realize that there was three kids behind the camera taking the picture with you so <laughs> oh yeah i mean i it was just crazy i didn't say earlier but going through that jungle it poured rain half the time too i mean that made it even better. Oh, and I, I just, I see my daughter's face, the two-year-old with curl her curls. And I mean, the water was beating down her curls and she just was smiling the entire time. And that just, uh, I mean, I don't cool. know what was more enjoyable, the buck or that. That's just the memory I'll mm-hmm. always cherish. Yeah. I think something I, I like about your stories is that there, most guys can relate. There's, there's every single story you told, there's something that maybe just doesn't go 100% right. I mean, very rarely do I have a hunt where everything just works out the way I thought it would and went 100% perfect. So I think that uh, those are some pretty relatable stories there, John. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I mean, this year, I mean, I, I can't, it was my one opportunity for everything to be perfect. Had a 20 yard shot. I didn't stop the deer good enough and boom, awful shot. You know, that was the closest yeah. I've ever been to perfect. And to show mm. you there, it wasn't even perfect then. <laughs> Well, I tell you that you're not the first person. In fact, I think I know I've done that personally. My buddy Trav did that this year on his 163 inch longbow buck. He went mat and you watch the video. The mat is the same time as whenever the string lets loose, just about maybe a second difference. And so, and our buddy Joey did that. So I've heard several folks in that moment, it is so hard to kind of gauge time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you feel like yeah. that deer should stop. And so that can that's happen a, to anybody for sure. That's man. the truth. You're right. I mean, you're exactly right. Yeah. Mm. So I just want to say thanks for coming on the show tonight and telling some awesome stories. I, I got a really cool picture in my head of this bear jumping off a cliff after you shot it wow. <laughs> yeah, and just some crazy things man i i'm excited for you uh, to come back on and tell us how you helped your son get his first buck which i'm sure is going to happen here hopefully in the next couple of weeks yes sir will do i'd love to share it so well john thanks for your time tonight i really appreciate it and uh, I, I look forward to keeping in touch with you thanks for sending me the trail cam pictures and uh, hopefully we can cross paths and actually meet each other one day <laughs> yes sir and hey man i'm gonna keep sending them see baby ready because 
I want to see you get it done I'm, too. I'm ready. Man, I appreciate John uh, coming on the show. I appreciate this guy being willing to help me out, and I'm going to do my best to help him out as well. And I just think that's so needed in the hunting world. Um, people being a little bit more. I know. I know we want to be protective of our spots. I know we want to be protective of the the little land that maybe you and I are able to hunt. But I think what's cool about John is his willingness to help me and. Um, you know, I've just learned the value of friendship there. I think about Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. So my question for you is, who are you being a friend to? Who are you trying to help out this year? I know we are, if, if you're listening to this, you're probably right smack in the middle of the rut if you're going after whitetails. And um, I tell you, it's it's so easy to become singular focused, me focused. But I, I'm just grateful for the friends that I have that have been able to help me out. I'm grateful for Ben and Travis Shire and my brother. I'm grateful for uh, just friends that I can call and, and say, hey, here's what happened. Here's what's gone down. You know, and I, with my buck issue there a couple days ago, um, so many people I was able to talk to and kind of walk through uh, those moments. And so I'm grateful for the friends that I have. And I encourage you to, to be a friend and, and reach out and try and find those connections if you don't have them. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode. I hope that your hunting is going well. Please remember to be safe, have fun, and remember to shed the light.